0: to handle that cape for the last time.
1: Return to Town 10th Year Anniversary Edition is a revised version of Andean's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material.
0: Spoken Label. Hi, it's Anne from Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers poets and artists over time it became monthly then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on that to a more regular basis to date i've done over 330 sessions and i'm always looking for new poets writers artists singer-songwriters general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast you can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay, and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word. dot bandcamp. dot com. Obviously, now to help me with the running costs of this podcast, I am always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can either do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts or send it over to my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo dot co dot uk enjoy the podcast take care <laughs> bye hey guys and the end spoken label back in the house on a monday evening it's not snowing here yet it could do this week so watch your space but i believe it's dropping to minus eight in england at the moment hopefully where we are today i'm, I'm over to america today with a wonderful lady i uh, hopefully uh, i'm with natalie eaton natalie it's not snowing where you are today is it
1: no, and not yet. It hasn't, but it's 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 weirdly warm. It's been very... We're near the ocean, so I, I, it always is a bit warmer here than I would expect.
0: Oh, right, well, yeah. I suppose it does by the ocean. You can never it tell. It's a bit very unpredictable straight away. Now, I'm here to talk to the wonderful of Natalie yeah. Eaton today. Now, first of all, I want to give a quick shout out to our friend Elizabeth Horand. Elizabeth put me in contact with Natalie because she's just bought a collection out on her new imprint, which I didn't know about this, actually, mm-hmm. because initially I thought it was going to come out and, um, obviously, uh, Elizabeth's other press, Burning Heart Press, but it's not. It's on Fence... It's, is that Fenceber? Is that right? Have I pronounced that right? Uh,
1: Fence Alvey.
0: Fence Alvey, right. Anyway, Fence so, Yeah, Fem-Selvey. shit for brains <laughs> already. So, now... Natalie, no,
1: obviously. no, no. I, I, I at <laughs> first was the same way. I was like, uh, "How do you?" <laughs> 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 don't
0: get that. Good, good. I do not feel too guilty, now then. Okay, Natalie. Seriously, um, people don't know you. Obviously, tell us first of all. Then I look about a bit about your creativity. You told me off camera already. You've been writing for quite some time, haven't you? So, so yeah. tell us about how your way writing came from originally.
1: I mean. I've been honestly interested in writing and doing it ever since, I mean, ever since my earliest memories. Uh, I I was always interested in storytelling as a child, Um, but I always used to think I was going to be a novelist. I always thought that until Mm. my... My late twenties honestly was when I finally sort of gave up on that idea that okay, I'm not a novelist. I'm I'm a poet and that's that's fine. That's good. That's just the way it's gonna be. But I I grew up convinced um because I I, I would hear scary stories and then I would sort of respin them and tell them to my my classmates and horrify them, you know, all <laughs> going up through school. Um that was kind of what I was known as was the weird spooky kid, you know, because um I had undiagnosed ADHD all while growing up so I was a bit of a character and uh but the nice thing about ADHD is it does make you very very creative so um I've basically been storytelling forever but when I was 13 um I had a wonderful English teacher who I thank at the end of my book um who encouraged me to to embrace poetry she she convinced me that um there was something to it for me. She felt like I had an aptitude for it and she she pushed me toward it. And um, there aren't words to convey how grateful I am to her for that because it, it turned out to be such a refuge.
0: Yeah, I think poetry sometimes does come out in, in stressful moments sometimes. And I think your collection, which I want to come on to in a few minutes, is a really, really good example of this straight away with it. But before we do that, obviously, I know you've been writing for quite some time I noticed that before when I was researching you, where you actually um a couple of things I want to touch base on, first of all, is you were nominated, weren't you, for a pushcart prize back in 2014. So tell us a bit yeah. about that experience.
1: Um, so uh back around that time, I had a group of writer friends on Deviant Art who were really helping me sort of um, hmm. shape my voice. Up until that point, my poetry was really aimless. It was a lot of sort of Free floating imagery, it hadn't really settled into a narrative form, and uh, my friends were trying to really help me, um, you know, solidify who I wanted to be as a poet. I, I didn't know at the time that that was what was going to happen or that they were going to be so instrumental to that, but um, it all sort of came together and anyway, um, we would all look up places to submit to together um, our poetry we were all poets and. Um, mm. We ran across this place called uh Rust and Moth. Uh, and um I submitted there. And to my surprise, um, not only did they publish me, they later on nominated me for a pushcar And um wow. it's it's so funny because I don't know if it still does, but the last time I was on their duo trope page, they listed me as one of their favorite writers.
0: Oh, and I just like
1: Wow, that's amazing! <laughs> oh,
0: that is that says it all, doesn't it? Really, like sometimes if they have to put you down, and I can, I people known friends. Man, yeah. this happened to where magazines have listed writers they really like and love submissions in the style of, and you you sat there thinking, oh mm-hmm. my god, it's me that, yeah, I know you can play off. Oh, that's that's an astonishing yeah. story. That straight away, wow. Now,
1: yeah, to, to think you could be anybody's favorite writer. <laughs>
0: It's you know, incredible. It really well, it is. So
1: obscure as I am.
0: Oh, wow. Excellent. Now, the other thing I want to touch on with you, obviously, I, I never I never ask, actually, um, or very rarely, I should say, ask writers who their favourite writers are. But if people research you, it's always mentioned in quite a few of your bios and some publications about Sharon Old. And if people really look around for you, they can yeah, find you on SoundCloud, really don't want to Old's poems, which is absolutely incredible because it's so measured. Mm-hmm. And I think I can see... Where your influence of Sharon came from, because one of my friends is a, a Texas actor, Randy. I know he has Sharon Old as one of his, his favorite poets, actually. Like actually, she's got that same sort of measured approach I have seen in a lot of your work. So, where did you find out about hmm. Sharon Old, first of all?
1: Well, first of all, that's so amazing of you to say, because um, as much as I would love to feel like I had anything in common with Sharon, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I I would be amazed that anybody would see that influence, um, but, but but flattered if so. Um, I was really first exposed to Sharon Olds through um, a poet friend of mine um, mm-hmm. named Raquel. Um, she sort of introduced me to her, and she left one of uh, Sharon Olds' books here at my house by mistake and didn't get it back for a very long time. <laughs> but then I... Uh, <laughs> But then I, I bought her collection Strike Sparks and it's the only book of poetry that I've ever just sat down and and read front to back, like it was a novel. And I was just so absorbed in it. She's just so amazing and fearless the way that she talks about the body and all the visceral and terrible things about the body and the, the intimacy of the body and things that I don't know if I'll ever be brave enough to say. And, um, I was lucky enough actually back in um 2014 when i was nominated for the Pushcart. um right around that time mm. i met sharon old in oh, person. Whoa. i ran into her whoa. at a, 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 um, a academy uh poets academy um reading in the city uh new york city um i was just standing there and i was talking to another poet and she looks behind me and she goes oh my gosh there's Sharon Olds and she's talking to CD Wright and I was like what (laughs) and and you don't want to be that person you know that that comes fumbling up like an idiot but I I I was like I am never going to get this opportunity again to tell her how much her work means to me so I was that jerk (laughs) and I walked up and I was like I'm so sorry to to interrupt I just have to tell you both how much I love your work and um and Sharon was just so gracious. You know, I, I was saying um, how novice I am at, at writing poetry and stuff. And she goes, well, we're we're all always still learning, aren't we? And she was just so sweet. She was so sweet. She had to walk away because she got a phone call after a minute, But but she was just so gracious. And it definitely wasn't one of those cases of never meet your heroes, you know, because you'll end up disappointed. She was more than I could have asked for, just, just the nicest person. Wow.
0: So. Now, my favourite novelist in New York, actually, Paul Auster, if you've heard of him, and he, he read in Manstown, his last novel came out a couple of years ago, and I couldn't, almost get the courage to actually go and watch him. I couldn't do it. <laughs> you, know, you know what you mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's that common myth, isn't it, where you think, well, you get told don't go meet your heroes you are gonna get disappointed well fantastic you and that one that there great stuff for that yeah. so now it's it like i think mean. something like that yeah. it always risky, like, especially if you've had to
1: go south
0: before yeah i can believe i completely i've had that before with some musicians or anything like well i'm not going to name right <laughs> but yeah, yeah i know what you mean so yeah it was move on there anyways <laughs> now obviously People wonder, obviously, we're really yeah. here to talk it. We're really here to say talk about your collection, aren't we? Your debut collection. I'll buy you a bird mm-hmm. instead. Now, as I've, we've talked about this on Bath Night before for a good 15 minutes, it's a difficult one for me to actually look, tell people about this in the beginning. So I'm gonna have to ask you about this. Just take us right back to the beginning. And we'll start off with it. I think where did the title come from, first of all, then? Because it says to me it's a memory of some kind, but you elaborate
1: yes um there is a poem in the book called um the bird bribe and it's about um the period of time where uh, my mother who i was very close to um, my mother and i were living in illinois for a while and it was really um one of those defining moments times periods of time in my life because i was you know, an older teenager kind of getting ready to leave the nest, so to speak. And um, and my mother was, she struggled a lot. She, um, she was bipolar and uh, mm-hmm. had severe depression um, all her life. And, uh, and I, I witnessed so much of that. And anyway, so around this time when I was getting older and getting ready to leave the nest and everything, she really didn't want me to go um as as much as it's it's healthy for the child to grow up and leave Mm. um she she didn't really want me to go and and I was sort of afraid to leave her too we were very sort of um, mutually codependent like that and anyway I I at the time that all of this happened um I was sort of uh shut in for a long time after we first moved to Illinois I was very sort of um Agoraphobic, I guess you could say, because directly before moving to Illinois, um, we'd had a domestic violence incident with my mother's oh. boyfriend. Oh, There's a poem about that in the book as well.
0: Yeah, I, I was wondering about that too, honestly, straight away. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, so so we moved to Illinois, and I was very shut in. And the poem, "The Bird Bribe," talks about how uh, <clears throat> I finally begged her. kind of help me get my stuff together, you know, kind of pull everything together and and get out of my shell and be normal again. And um, she took me shopping, you know, and it was seemed to be like an expression of of, I don't know what it was almost like she didn't know what else to really do for me. But um, she always seemed to want to buy me things because she grew up having so very little and I think it was something, she felt like something tangible that she could do for me. Um, <clears throat> so she brought me out to shop. And um, while we were out, we saw this beautiful red parrot. It was this female eclectus parrot. And uh, I fell in love with it. And um, <clears throat> so then when I went to, uh, I was getting ready to move out um, to leave, she hmm. said to me, um, she tried to bribe me. She said, uh, if you stay, I'll, I'll buy you the bird instead you
0: know right oh, so. uh, yeah I understand now Then you're straight away but you see yeah it's the a bond between the parents and children you're straight away it's, which it is if anyone will read this book and I do it is a recommendation as always particularly here it's a fantastic title now you explain the story to us straight away with that one so yeah it's like because as I said before to you Mike I, I got a really good quote that you put at the front of the book because you've got some great writers at the beginning of the book put some really quite fantastic quotes on it and a bit by Laura Cherry really hit me, struck me really hard on this. And do you mind if I read this bit out then? Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. Because Laura put on it, like, she mentions the words illness, healing, resentment, surprise, humor, regret. And if people read this book, a lot of the pieces in the book do have the themes, it's sometimes in all the in the one poem as well. That's It's incredible writing. It really is. But that one's straight away. So, I'm going to have to ask you anyway, because I'm not one for asking about direct pieces about about um, poems, but I'm going to out myself as well, I'm <laughs> in that mood today. But people obviously mm. know, people know me, my actual real name is Nicholson, So, and I jokingly tell people that like, Jack Nicholson's my uncle, he's not right, but I found it amazing when I saw the poem called Jack Nicholson is a Hypocrite. Now, where did this piece come from then?
1: You know what? Um, I, I almost want to say I don't know because it, it was kind of unexpected. But I do know mm. um, when I was around 10, 11 years old, mm. um, I started manifesting the first you know symptoms of the severe anxiety, generalized mm. anxiety, social anxiety and everything else um, that I would carry with me, I'm sure, for the rest of my life. But um, I also developed really bad OCD around that time and I didn't know what it was I'd never heard of it I didn't know it was a real thing I thought wow. it was just me I was just weird and messed up somehow and it wasn't until I saw the movie as Good as it gets with Jack Nicholson mm. um and then I was like oh my gosh this, this guy does the things that I do he counts things and he's germophobic and you know um so it it really tied in with um, some of the younger, Uh, memories that I include in my book because um, it was something that my sister noticed about me and used to kind of make fun of me about because she didn't understand that um, I wasn't just being weird Uh, um, you know it was actually an illness that I was dealing with and so I just kind of uh, utilized Jack Nicholson as, uh, as his character from that movie and had him sit down and talk to me about my sister and and life as
0: it is, <laughs> it's, brilliant. it's brilliant. It's one of my favourite poems in the book. That one, even though my uncle's in it. Oh, <laughs> not really. But yeah. Now
1: um,
0: I love them. <laughs> yeah. the thing I stood, stood before, Pete, I said before about your similarity to Sharon Olds was the preciseness in your work. And like with Sharon, she's very very good at, end, at finishing the poems off. And I found this throughout this book. I did. It's the preciseness in your words. And I also love the little sequences you had in the book as well. Now, I don't want to go for, obviously, touching off this four, three different sequences here. And I found more of an interesting, like, with some of them, the poems actually followed each other straight after, but some were scattered quite throughout the book. So just tell us about the two questions of this one, really. is first of all, is writing a sequence is something that you normally do? And what drew you to the choices you made with this collection about the way it was laid out?
1: Um, So the book is really laid out chronologically and um, uh, so basically everything that happens um, from beginning to end is told in the order that it really happened in real life and while I was editing the book and pulling it together, Mm. um, I I noticed a lot of connecting threads between certain Mm. poems, you know, Um, and you know I guess it's a little bit um putting too fine a point on it maybe to to make them then sequences you know uh, readers can see these things for themselves but um I just decided to because those poems are scattered they're not always sequential um I guess I just sort of wanted to uh tie them together a little bit more in that way by making them sequences it's not something I've ever done before um, it's kind of funny because uh, my friend Raquel mm. and I have always had a term that we use um, when we've read books of poetry together and stuff we've often used the term book poem we'll mm. say that something is a book poem and it's, it's because um, a lot of times when you read a collection Uh, there are poems in there that maybe wouldn't necessarily fly on their own or wouldn't necessarily be something that the poet would submit for publication on its own but Mm. they're a good book poem because they belong within the 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 the, the greater whole of the book that they they fit like a puzzle piece and so a lot of books uh poems in this book rather um are probably book poems (laughs) and uh and so I guess that was just my way of um, of tying it all into one larger piece. So like we have the Scarlet Sequence, which is basically all about um, medical care. You know, my mother taking care yeah. of me, me taking care of her. Um, you see parallels between like mentions of a needle. Um, and then you have the anthem poems, which are sort of the fatalistic, um, Things are always going to be this way poems. Um, even the more positive poem, like my poem uh Return, which is full of sort of black humor. Um, and then you have, of course, the couple of Illinois poems, which are um they they kind of take that image of the bird and they run with it and um, as like sort of a metaphor for the whole relationship and and everything that went along with it.
0: Yeah, it does. I don't that's... know if
1: it's something I'll do again, but I might.
0: I was going to say I've done a few books myself, and I do like doing sequences. Sometimes I do. I think it's this way. It's yeah. depends on what 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 the book is, the voice of the book is. Sometimes it it works to devastating effect. Straight away it does. Now I was listening to your your live launch you did with Elizabeth Howard recently. I couldn't tune in because. I was, I was, I was, I unfortunately had a couple of sift drinks that night, so I fell I asleep by the time it came on at oh, midnight. It, it
1: was so it late your time, yeah. yeah, no worries. Didn't make it,
0: didn't yeah. make it. I caught, I played it back before and now on YouTube, and it was, it was a fantastic, listen. Now, what I found interesting about it was, like, mm-hmm. this book's been coming for quite a while, hasn't it, really? Because you started writing this before your mother died, if I, if I heard that correctly before, so. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I didn't realize that I was. But like back in, uh, mm. toward, toward the end of her life, like maybe 2010, 2011, mm. I was writing um, what I call snippets, the the, mm-hmm. the little the lines and, and concepts that would become future poems for the book. Um, I, I didn't realize that I had a good handful of these um, in this one program I used called Scrivener to write in. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's basically, um, Scrivener basically has like a bunch of sub documents within it. And so I'll write page after page, I'll just write like um, a snippet of this, a snippet of that. And then maybe I'll go through and see how they all fit together. And this was my first time doing that. And when I went through, and I was looking at what subjects I covered and kind of trying to see mm. parallels between them, what am I gonna pull together in a poem? Um, I realized I had 80 different snippets about my mother, Um, and this was right before she passed away in 2012, and so I I suddenly realized, like, uh, you know, I I think I'm writing a book, and it took several years to come together after that. It was just an enormous undertaking, because I had never written anything like this before then. You know, this, this book was really where my narrative voice kind of solidified itself and came together um i just was not writing poetry like this before this book
0: yeah i think it's what you've done is um there's a best way to sum it up to be i love him a a scottish singer songwriter called paul buchanan who used to sing the band called the blue nile his debut album that came out in 2012 called bidet he described it i think this sums you up to a t as well where he basically was writing doing some pro- songs run of a project, and this album kind of snuck up on him without him realizing. And I think that's what the ha- that's happened here, really, for you. But the sound of things, it's it wasn't planned, was it at all? And and I think you then realise, "Well, this needs writing." Basically, and yeah, respect to you. It sh- shows because it's there's a love in this piece. this four book, right? your mum, basically, and obviously to go with everything else that love and everything else, all the emotions. And it's it's an incredibly complicated book, but no, it's. Relatable, I think so. Respect to you for that. Now, obviously, we'd better talk about your story with your publishers in this one, hadn't you, as well, with Elizabeth Horan's Collect Press. Now, tell us about then how, how you got involved with this press. Then.
1: Um, uh, well, basically, I, um, my friend, I have a friend in the UK whose name is Kate Garrett, and she's oh, a an
0: poet. Oh, you know, okay, I oh, didn't know you, yes. okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, okay, a yeah. couple times,
1: yeah, oh, she's incredible. Wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, she is. Yeah. I love her so much, yeah. Um, I don't even, I'm trying to even remember now how I originally ran across her, but I think I just found her on Instagram, and um, we became friendly, and I submitted to, I ended up submitting to one of her publications, Three Drops from a Cauldron, and she is just an amazing, not just poet, but person all around, because she... Yeah she's got real energy about her own yeah Yeah, she's she's, she has her own chronic illness issues and everything else that she struggles with and you would never know it to look at her i mean she's an amazing mother um she has several children she's always taking on these these projects she she runs these publications she writes her own poetry she's very active on instagram she's just amazing and um she had published a collection with animal heart press And I was kind of a little bit frustrated because um, Mm. uh, Bird was originally accepted for publication at a different press and, you know, not their fault, but they were kind of struggling behind the scenes and and they fell through. And in my search for places that might be appropriate for um, the book, I was growing a little bit frustrated and weary. And I thought, well, I should look overseas and you know i should really see what kate has to say because she's put out multiple collections with different presses and stuff um, I'll, I'll get her advice and so um through talking to her you know i i went to the animal heart press website and then saw that they had an imprint called uh, fem salve and so what fem salve does is it actually rescues books whose original contracts fell through. And I was like, this is a kismet. This could not be more perfect. This is one of the first places I'm looking and um, after my book was withdrawn from the previous contract. And so it was like within three days of my book being withdrawn from the other press that I had submitted to and been accepted to Fem Salve. It was just very quick and amazing. And they are just the nicest people and they've just been so amazing to work with it's it's it was literally everything that uh i never could have you know even hoped to find and um just the best experience i could have asked for yeah oh
0: definitely you get someone like elizabeth involved in it straight away yeah i've said it before and i'll say it again she's a fantastic lady always a pleasure working with Elizabeth. so much. Yeah, I, and- I love her what she's done with this collection yours, I've seen the PDF, it is, she's, done, she's guided, obviously, brilliantly. was a fantastic collection. Now, obviously, I want to start wrapping up now because I want to give you plenty of time to read out a few pieces of us today as well. Now, obviously, do you have any plans where you want to go next to your creativity? Anything else you can reveal?
1: Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, I, I, I'm really hoping to turn Bird into a full-length collection, and, and that. Mm a massive undertaking. It's like I feel hmm. like I feel like I'm chasing a worm, you know. i have been digging in the garden and I found the end of the worm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think the say the same they use in the England England is it made a mountain out of a molehill. Could be not me, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah no,
1: but like just unearthing this this larger collection, this full-length work that I think Bird will ultimately be a part of is really just a massive undertaking. I mean I put together all of my my work that is just snippets right now. It's not; they're not even full poems. Um, I put them all into a document just out of curiosity to see how much I had, and I had 240 pages of just. Whoa!
0: Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> i you. Say that then. Whoa! And
1: most of that will never see the light of day. most I, I would be, I would be horrified if. After my death, God forbid, um, my name ever became known and somebody went back and looked at my work because most of it is just, it, it really reads like trash because they're the loosest ideas and concepts and stuff that later become fleshed out and become more. But they literally, sometimes they start off terrible and if there, if i learned anything in writing bird it's that you really can polish a turd
0: <laughs> yeah oh yeah no i've learned that myself like after 40 years of my poetry and i've done like, eight full-on collections yeah. now they took me what to 40 to find the voice of the first book and five years of the second one it does it takes time because like every project doesn't it really yeah. you need to like it it's not yeah. something you can just pull out something <laughs> obviously we were talking about young lady before i'm gonna name her jessica kim like who's obviously I met Elizabeth through last time I was the one of Elizabeth's writers and she just like both said before she's just out of nowhere, you're you like me and said it's you took you time to find that voice, yeah. Oh good look good luck of it anyway, and yeah. straight away with it. So come back on again if you get the when when you get the full length collections ready. Hopefully oh, we both yeah. hopefully we'll both Definitely be old enough to, to talk pleasure. about it. <laughs> 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 now obviously, to try to wrap up this part then. Yeah. If people want to find out more about you, first of all where do you recommend they
1: go? Um, You can find me on Instagram at all one word uh, bird instead. Um, Or I have a website, which is natalieastonpoetry.com. And um, through there, you can purchase I'll Buy You a Bird Instead at the Femme Salve website, which is Uh, you know, it'll be available through um, multiple sites that you could get it through Barnes and Noble, Amazon, et cetera. But my preferred method would be for people to go direct to the um, website of uh, Femme Salve and support the small press because that's where they'll get the most benefit.
0: Yeah, I agree straight away. Fantastic people. Help them out definitely. So, okay, we'll let you pause the thought for a second now. I know a few pieces in the second half. I'm looking forward to this. Thank you very much, Natalie, really enjoyed this today. We will see you all in, as I always say, two shakes of the dice. Spokely. Hi guys, and the the amazing Natalie Easton. Okay, straight over to Natalie. Oh, no, she's going to do not one, not two, but three poems from her fantastic collection. Over to you, Natalie.
1: Thank you. Um, so this first poem, is a a good snapshot basically of what the book is overall about and it's called Scrapbook. I was a little version of mom to scale, scaled right down to the lizard brain. Sister taught me how to look, she looked away. We survived the laughing father friendly enough to unpack a Mack truck and make a friend. Laughing father needed enough to be reined in from long haul, fucking to short haul, home late. The crabs came from a toilet seat, and coincidentally, he had moved a mattress that day. His mantras were black boys and checkbook. Disrespect, if someone spoke of his saintly mother, ghost side, who oversaw the marriage in a church basement. How to love oneself within one's self-deprecation. And sister in the backyard on the swing with a boy. Sister pillow-thighed. Sister in the vice-principal's desk scouting liquor. Sister missing and I prayed for her invisibility or mine. Sister thrown against the wall, lollipop clutched in one hand, the dimes not spent at the payphone in the other. She was ready to laugh about this later. Sister to a movie camera. Sister to a security camera. Sister to a space telescope. Sister resented. Sister hated. Sister illustrated on a leaf of my brain in a book I've closed. First book I wrote. First book I'd saved from a burning house.
0: Amazing stuff. Really, really powerful piece. Up. Huh? I don't like obviously Compton Contents of poem was much, but the repetition of sister there. I remember when I read the book the other week and I said earlier on today, that really hit me quite hard, that. Was that was I intended to do the repetition like to that level when you first wrote that piece?
1: Um, you know what? It was it was really one of those moments when you're writing a poem and um the emotion kind of wells up and it sort of takes over. It wasn't really planned, but it all just kind of came pouring out like Something vital oh, okay. that always needed to be said and, yeah, and hadn't been like it. said. This was like the bottom line.
0: He yeah, has a proper burst in that poem, and it's really, really powerful for it. I'm not gonna ask any more, because obviously, <laughs> well, I'd rather let the poem stand for itself. So okay. I know you got your second piece now, so I'll let you carry on.
1: Um, this one's called Jack Nicholson is a hypocrite. Jack Nicholson sat down at the table ordered a short stack, and told me how it was, laying out his plastic fork vertically. Look, he said, your sister is a bitch. She'd tease. She's so dirty, she can't eat the things she touches. He leaned over his plate, pointed his knife, and pulled the trigger on a frightening wink. Sometimes a duck is a duck, and a bar of soap is just slippery. He was all talk. I knew that if I touched him... He'd bolt to scrub his red hands clean. I'd keep eyeing Pepper suspiciously. And if something on my plate seemed poison, I'd ask mom to share it with me.
0: Great stuff again. Really, really good stuff. That it's, as I said before to you, and are talking about the interview before, what I love, do love what your poems is like. It's that there's a briefness in it. But when no word seems really out of place, and I think that's a fantastic example of that one straight away, and it's it's like you finish the poem off, and you're you're often like left for breath afterwards, thinking, "Wow." So, did, did you find that when you wrote that poem yourself? It was like at the end of it. You thought, "Oh my god," you do sometimes, don't you, work? <laughs> Oh, sorry, I you oh, sorry, ah, the, uh, the line broke up. Play about that, yes, dodgy and dodgy, making <laughs> this internet connection. But what I loved about that poem was the briefness of it is like it. it's got a briskness about the pace in it, and like uh, the memories, like you've managed to not put a word out of place on it. And that's having well, Sharon Old's really good showing your influences there on that piece straight away.
1: Hmm. Thank you. Uh, yeah, sometimes they, they come to you more succinct like that. That was actually a poem that took a very long time. To oh, did it
0: really? Like, oh, wow, yeah.
1: Yeah, I just struggled and struggled with it and couldn't quite get it there, and eventually it finally gelled. But yeah, it just wanted to be succinct.
0: <laughs> yeah, poems are like that. The funny, funny things, especially times, I've got pieces where I've gone through 100 drafts sometimes where you get, you get, you get, you get like a sentence just doesn't fit, and it's like you sat there thinking, Get in, please get in, and I can see it without yes. noise. It's marvelous stuff. Okay,
1: I'm no more on really like that. Got to wrestle
0: them. <laughs> oh, you have to wrestle them like that, definitely. <laughs> and listen, no yeah. more about that. We'll let you do let you do your last piece pieces now. Over do you have to? Be?
1: Okay. Um, this last piece I'm going to read is called uh, "The Dishes Sit in the Sink," and it's Scarlet Three, so it's the third poem in the Scarlet sequence. I attempt to hide your lorazepam in applesauce while your cat prowls beneath the coffee table, peas on the last thing you bought, embroidery floss, for some unknown project, I think for me. She hates everyone but you, has always known it is a choice between you and everything else. You once said you wanted her put down after, no one else would love her, leaving her would be cruel. If it's company you want, I'll voice my willingness. You know that seeing the world your way was the least I could do. I have tried to escape without burying you. My last visit, the hospital called, and these things went unsaid. The only question I managed, who would do your housework when I left? And that was how we cried, for the reality of dish soap. Now I've returned to find that dying creates a new formality. I say you've always looked lovely in red, and you say thank you. Today, you could confuse me for a hospice nurse, one of the ones who keep showing face, but they're just waitresses able to bring something stronger than a cocktail as long as we can flag one down and get our order in. They swab your mouth with pink toothettes, daily on 15-minute shifts. They make me feel small by keeping you clean. But we've always known that when it's time, I'm the one who do- will dose the morphine. Oh,
0: God, you nearly remember crying that last piece, then. <laughs> so i was, sorry, I said, oh, my God, wow. Yeah, tremendous way of finish off that really, really is. It's it's, I don't, I'm, I'm just gonna say anything else and check the book out, okay? That's the best way of putting it. So, but <laughs> <laughs> I just want to thank you today, Natalie, for that. That was an incredible session. It really, really was. So, that my heart. So, thank
1: you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm so flattered that you would even want to have me on. And, and oh, I know.
0: <laughs> Brilliant today's stuff. So, as I said before, keep in touch. And when the probably ends up being 600 page final collection of this diversion book comes out, come back
1: on.
0: <laughs> we're, adopt, we're, we're What we'll do, yeah, we'll do a series exactly. of episodes of it, 50 pages per episode. we <laughs> about nine months <laughs> probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. exactly. I was going
1: to say, we'll, we'll just keep doing it for a couple of years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And listen, so, keep in touch anyway, seriously. Okay. Anyway, guys and girls, you too. That's it for another episode of Spoken Label. Thank you again, Natalie. It really has been a pleasure today. And thank you, Elizabeth, who's not with us today, but she's here in spirit. I want to thank her as well. Yeah. So as Don Callis at Impact Wrestling says, stay safe and most importantly, stay over. And we'll see you all next time.
1: Spoken Label.